This week on the OneCast, we're joined by Elite Series Pro, reigning Rookie of the Year, two-time Elite Series champion, Joey C. Fuentes. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. What is going on, folks? Welcome back to the OneCast. Uh, if you are watching us on our video version, so over on YouTube, you can see uh, Trey is absent right now. So you just got Pete and I for the moment, but he's uh, he's pulling dad duties. Today, we've got a great episode planned. We got Joey on here. He's probably the, one of the hottest anglers in bass fishing right now. We have definitely talked about him and his performance over the season on our previous episodes. The fact that he has won two blue trophies this year alone is absolutely phenomenal, and uh, we are stoked to have him on. Uh, but before, before we bring him on, uh, as always, make sure you go over to onecastfishing.com, join the Snagless Revolution, get those Snagless jigs, long neck hooks, soft plastics, use the code the OneCast, and save a little bit of money. Pete, what do you got for us? Nothing, man. You nailed it. Pretty excited to have Joey on to talk a little bit about his history and that, man, just a heck of a rookie year to win two blue trophies, uh, you know, rookie of the year title. It's uh, It was really impressive. So looking forward to talking to him, talking a little fishing and uh, glad to be back. I wasn't here when you guys did Friday, so feels good to be back and ready to bring you all some uh, hopefully super entertaining conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if, you ca- if you caught our fishing Friday, uh, last Friday, so this is probably about 10 days before this drops up. Uh, Pete hopped on there uh, for a few minutes. He was driving out to fish a tournament at Lake Norman. He actually uh, he caught fish out there, which was a uh, which is a positive for him because usually it doesn't happen, right? That was my first time out there, so <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. But yeah, I got uh got into him a little bit, so it wasn't too bad. Good deal, sweet. So sweet. yeah, I think uh, you got you, we got everything out of the way. Let's just bring Joey. Yeah, in let's here. bring him on. Let's uh, let's let's uh, let's talk to the hottest angler right now, probably in uh, at least in Bassmaster and probably all of professional bass fishing. Yes, sir. What's up, guys? What's going on, Joey? <laughs> Not much. How y'all doing? Hey, you know, just another day here trying to trying to make a dollar, make a living, talk fishing. Um, we know there's a lot of news going on right now, but we probably won't touch that too much because it's in a wholly different field here. But we appreciate you joining us, and we appreciate you um, willing to hop on here and talk about uh, your story. And then, obviously, this last season, which is one of the best seasons we I think we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, heck of a rookie year from Joey. For those of you that don't know, uh, rookie of the year winner, also won two Elite Series events, uh, and I can't think of somebody that's done that in quite a while. So looking forward to getting into that. But, Joe, if you just want to introduce yourself for anybody that's listening that may not know you uh, and maybe give a little bit of background on how long you've been doing this before you uh, you know got to the Elite Series. Yeah, so um... – I am actually born and raised in Tampa, Florida. Um, I lived in a little town outside of Tampa called Brandon. Um, lived there for 16 years, screw up saltwater fishing mainly. Um, my grandma lived on a little small lake there in, in Florida, north of Tampa, in the town called Lutz. And so I got to do a little bass fishing when I was a kid on the bank and um, just loved it. Loved the outdoors. Um, moved to Arkansas when I was about 15. Grew up in Arkansas, high school. Went off to play college baseball, got into fishing, worked my way up from a co-angler to fishing as a pro, qualified the whole way. Um, you know, last couple of years ago, I qualified to make the Elite Series or last year. And uh, yeah, so um, here I am. I fished the Elite Series this year, had a absolutely phenomenal year. I, I couldn't be more thankful for that. Um, just feeling good, man. Like I, I've seen these lakes for a, a long time now, you know, the, over the, over the years I fished ML, uh, MLF stuff or FLW tour. So I've got to travel around the country and it takes time to learn these places. And, and I had a lot of confidence going into this year and my ability and, and to get the rookie of the year and, and the wins is, was absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah. So when did you start as a me. co-angler? How long ago was that? So I was just, I just did a, uh, a, a little interview on this. Um, I think it was around 2012. Okay. Somewhere in there. Um, maybe 13, somewhere in there. I think, uh, I did that. I did. So I, uh, the interesting thing is, uh, Larry Nixon, everybody knows him, you know, one of the, one of the greatest fishermen of all time. Um, 
lives right here down the road from me in, you know, B Branch, Arkansas. I live in Clinton, Arkansas. And, and so I got in the boat with him and started fishing. It was out, actually the FLW Everstart series, which yeah. it was, it's like, the, it's like the Toyota series. Mm-hmm. So I fished that as a co-angler. I did one season we fished or one division in that we fished Sam Rayburn. Then we went back to Toledo Bend and then the, we finished up at Sam Rayburn. I ended up winning that last tournament. But I did that co-angling thing for three years. So I did that, and then I qualified to fish the FLW Tour as a, as a, as a co-angler. Um, and then, you know, two years, I think that second year I was top ten in the points, I qualified as to, to move up as a professional in the boat. So three years as a co-angler, five years pro, this, was, this past year was my six years. So okay. um, six, seven, eight, yeah, nine, yeah. so nine years ago. You know, one of the questions, you know, I, when I, I had is because – when we bring you up and anyone who goes out there, they bring you up for Bassmaster. It's got your birth date up there and you're a year, just a few months older than me. And I'm like, man, I still got a chance. I can still go fish the Bassmaster Elite. But uh, obviously you've been doing this for a long time. So my question is like, at one point, you know, fishing the co-angler and Larry Nixon, you, you know, you become a boater. Uh, at what point did you decide one, I'm going to chase this or two, I mean, obviously, last year we were fishing the opens. You qualified, but did you just thought, okay, I can actually do this? Like, was was there something that happened in your mind that that forced you to pursue this dream, or is it just something you've always had since you know being down in Tampa or outside Tampa when you were uh, a little boy? So I didn't grow. I'm kind of different than I think a lot of mm-hmm. Elite Series guys. Um, I did not grow up. Matter of fact, when I moved to Arkansas, I had no idea what professional bass fishing was. I didn't know what professional bass fishing was till I was probably 17 years old. Um, and that's really when I started fishing little team tournaments here. But, you know, as far as the way my career went, so I, I, I grew up wanting to be a professional baseball player. Like, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I wanted to do. I went, I was baseball 24-7. Uh, you know, and so when I moved to Arkansas, I learned a little bit about fishing and kind of fell in love with it. But, um you know, Mike, when I, when I won that tournament as a co-angler on Sam Rayburn Lake and qualified for the tour, I did that for two years. And then the second year I won another one and I'm like, okay, this, it wasn't just a fluke. Like, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm actually pretty good at this, right. you know, like, yeah. and, and I was just, I was only doing it in the back of the boat, mm-hmm. but also I had won, um, in that time, um, I think maybe that same year I won as a co-angler, I won in front of the boat. At, in a BFL on Lake Dardanelle here in Arkansas. So the, the confidence was like, you know, Hey, you know, I was thinking like, you know, maybe I should do this. I should try. So I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to go over to the pro side on the tour and, you know, did that. And, and I didn't win anything like didn't win anything. I had some really good tournaments, had a couple tournaments. I should have won here kind of in the past year. But at, I think it was that moment when I was like, Hey, I might actually try and pursue this. Like I'm, I'm, Maybe I'm actually can be can do well at this and be good. So that was kind of the, the time there, you know. Yeah, yeah. The I, moment. I think that's a it's 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 very refreshing to see, very refreshing to hear. I mean, like uh, especially now, right? Today we've got a, a lot of young guns coming up, right? This is all they've done. They've gone through the high school, college circuit, and bass, and actually professional fishing um, in general, regardless of circuit, has done a good job of trying to build the grassroots. But it's awesome to see that. This may, you know, later in life, you can figure out what your true dream and passion is. And this is something you can still go chase and be very successful at. So, I mean, you're you're definitely a testament to that, which I think is a, a great inspiration to all of us here in the fishing Yeah, I think when you just, if you look at, you know, who, who qualified this year, and obviously it's a whole different ball game with the way to qualify with, the, you know, having to fish the nine EQs and, and all that. I think Milliken is the oldest at, what, 30, he's 34 and then you have a 19 year old and Trey McKinney, like it's, it's, it really shows and it's good for the sport, right? Yeah. Like it's great that there's still young people that want to do it and pursue it. Uh, but it is, it is nice to see, you know, folks closer to our age that, uh, that are able to do it too, uh, because we all, we all have that dream, you know, and, and you did it the right way too. I mean, you have, you have a, a business that you run, uh, with your ranch and stuff like you had, you had stuff in place already that lets you take a little bit of time off and not have to worry about cashing a check to pay your mortgage for, for the months. Cause we've, we've had a lot of guys on here and talked about, you know, a lot of people don't understand the, the financial strain that it's put on you when you, when you go to try to chase that dream. 
Um, could you talk just a, a little bit on that? Like, uh, just for people that might be thinking about doing it, how important it is to have your finances together and not, not try to credit card your way to the elite series. Yeah. And with that, yeah, maybe, maybe add on, like, what'd you learn this year? Like, Oh wow. I did not expect this. Like from the, maybe the business side of it, um, being on the, uh, the, the elite series. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys actually a story uh, behind that. And, but, but anyways, starting out, um, I, I got a quick eye opener when I started fishing the FLW tour. It's was, I don't remember exactly what the entry fees were at the time, but it's around, you know, 40, Mm -hmm. anywhere from 40 to $45,000. And when I, I would, I sat down and planned it out. See, I I think I needed around $60,000 to, to actually with, with rooms and the whole bit, that's what my expenses, it was going to cost around that. So it is, it is very expensive and it's, it's very stressful. It's, it's almost like it, it doesn't take the fun out of it. You have fun, but, um, it's a, it's a job. You have to perform. You have to make checks in these tournaments. You get, you get a lot of stress put on you. Um, but what I was going to tell you guys is the year I qualified for the elite series, I had been doing this for four years, I think. And I was doing well. I had some, you know, I had some several top tens, but I just had one a tournament and it was like year to year. It was barely getting by. Like, you know, I mean, if you make a check in each tournament, you're coming, you're in the, you know, you're bringing home, like when it's all said and done, thirty, forty thousand $40,000. Like it's, it's not good. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I wanted, I wanted to have a family and kids and, yeah. and all that stuff. And so there was a, so the year I qualified for the elite series, um, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys the truth. I was, that was my last year. I was, 100%. I said, I'm going to do this because the FLW thing was switching around. They moved the tackle warehouse pro circuit that I was fishing to like a smaller deal. It was less tournaments. Yeah. The payout was getting terrible. Um, I was just at that moment and I actually went and got my real estate license. I had the stuff on the farm and the ranch, but, and I had that in place, but I was going, I went and got my real estate license. Like I was prepared to if this didn't work out and I didn't qualify, I was going to take probably step away from bass fishing just because it's, it's so hard to do. It's very expensive. Um, and you know, it worked out where I ended up qualifying for the elite series. And then look at here, you know, you have, you have one of those years that's just dreamy, you know? Um, but, uh, it's a, it's a real grind. It's, it is, you know, anything though in life that you do, that's, that's, to be successful, it's hard. You, you're going to get beat down all, so much and um, you have to really work hard to be successful. And, and uh, it's, uh, I was just, I was fortunate, you know, timing wise, but, but it, it's a tough sport. It's, it's not for the faint of heart by mm. any means. No, it's, it, it's very, very mentally challenging, uh, both the fishing itself, but then, you know, everything you mentioned at home, finances, checks, you know, trying, trying to make sure you have the money for, room and board for the next tournament and fuel to get there. And, uh, you know, it was, yeah. we had Destin to Marion on not, you know, a couple months back, uh, when he, when he fished elites and we talked about like it really changed. And I think we all, you, you, you didn't have probably the same understanding we did. Cause like Ben and myself, when we grew up, we grew up in the time of the non-endemic sponsors where Sitco was giving everybody free fuel and everybody was getting free boats. And, and that was the way it was. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands, the money was just pouring in. And then when those non-endemics yeah. dried up, it became the angler's responsibility. And then as more and more tournament circuits, for, you know, they may not be direct competitors, but the opens, the Toyota series, the BFLs, you have more and more guys leaning on companies to pull from that limited pot for the endemic sponsors. They only have so much money to give. It becomes ultra competitive. So all of that stuff is constantly on your mind. Um, and I'm sure you, you had been around enough to know that qualifying wasn't the golden ticket, that the sponsors weren't just going to come running just because you qualified. But it's always interesting to talk to guys who, who haven't been around and, and made it like Maddie, when we had Maddie on was one, like he kind of thought, okay, I'm going to qualify. I made it. Now the sponsors are going to come. I think Seth fighters talked about it before. Like, and that's not at all what happens just because you made it does <laughs> no. not mean the sponsors are going to come knocking to, to hand you free money. No. Um, 
No, matter matter of fact, uh, getting into the the secondary question that that you asked there was, you know, even even this year, guys, and I know the economy and things aren't great right now, and I think that's probably you know got a lot to do with it. I mean, back in the day, I probably would have all kinds of goodies and stuff going into next year, but um, I won two elite series tournaments in the same year as a rookie. I'm not technically a rookie. I've been doing this for four or five years now, but, um, and uh, it's, I had to make phone calls guys. Like I was on the, I've been on the phone. I pretty much have all my sponsorship stuff uh, finished for next year. Um, But I was, as soon as the season was over, I was on the phone calling people I sat back a little bit. Um, I did have a couple people reach out, but they didn't end up, end up being anything. As far as fishing industry goes, um, even even in the fishing industry, sponsors and stuff like that, I had to I had to call them and see, hey, you know, can we? I, I've got to get you know more money and and whatnot. I mean, there was not people because, frankly, there you know what I've learned is, and this is if you're just running a business and say I have a business and I'm trying to sponsor one of you guys as a professional fisherman and you're you're me you just had an awesome year i'm trying to get you for as cheap as i can yep okay so these you i i've been negotiating with companies i mean it it is it back and forth it i got so stressed out um a few three weeks ago about all this stuff it was just like it was getting crazy um i wanted to just finish it and get it done so it's not you know no people aren't calling me up saying <laughs> hey joey want to do this now with that being said I have, I do have a title sponsor next year, um, which is, and, and actually it's a three-year deal and it's a, it's in the industry, it's in the industry deal. Um, most, most of my sponsorships, the money wise has pretty much doubled. Um, right. so that, so that's good. Uh, and, and of course I wasn't at, you know, I wasn't getting paid a lot of money right. anyway before <laughs> this, just because I. I hadn't, I hadn't won, you know, I hadn't won a lot of tournament, but I was getting, you know, I was getting paid by a few companies, um, for, um, for sponsorships and stuff, but, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's not like, it's not like people are just knocking on the door. Now there has been a lot of people that have been reaching out to me, trying to get me connections with different companies. I've been trying to work on a cowboy hat sponsor and get a hold of these, some of these yeah. hat companies too, just because I feel like I can sell their products. Like, I mean, I have people message me every day wanting to know what kind of hat I wear and where they can get one. And so I'm, I'm work. I've been working my tail off trying to get some of those people, but it's just haven't been happening. So, but, but anyways, it's, it's a grind. I mean, this is, this is work. You got to work at it. It's not easy. I can, I can get you some contacts with some cowboy hat manufacturers. I'm, I know a few out West in Wyoming and stuff from, from when I lived out there. So we, we can talk afterwards cool. and I, I can get you a couple names and numbers to reach out to. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to, uh, because I would have assumed now this is me having a little bit of knowledge, which sometimes is more dangerous than anything <laughs> that winning two elite <laughs> series events your rookie year, people would be more, you know, more forthcoming, but also you have to take into account, like you said, the economy, uh, you know, obviously there's some, some major companies in the industry that are struggling a little bit right now. And, uh, and the industry as a whole, a lot of, almost all companies are struggling to, to some degree, um, with, with everything that's going on. But, um, talk to us about your rookie year. So was it surreal that first blast off, like being in line and seeing yeah. those guys? Well, it all started. So at the beginning of the season, they have one meeting. So like each tournament we don't do, we used to do turn back when I fished in the day, we used to have a tournament like before every meeting. Well, we had one meeting at the beginning of the year and, um, at Okeechobee. And here I am, you know, some rookie kid walking in, cowboy hat on in the middle of, you know, Gerald Swindle and, and all these hammocks, you know, and I was, I was starstruck. I was a little nervous, but at the same time, I'd fished against some of those guys that were there and, and some pretty high level, you know, guys that are there fishing the BPT now. So like, it wasn't too overwhelming, but, um, definitely, you know, I had, I was, I was nervous going into the first tournament. I mean, it was, it was pretty wild. Just, just, and the thing, the other thing is too, is when you're on the, when I made the elite series, like I was officially in, I had a lot of people reaching out to me saying, Hey, Joey, I'm following you. We're going to follow you. You're, we're going to be your fan. So the fan base for the elite series is, I think it's awesome. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know about the BPT and I don't know. I'm sure it's pretty good there too, but like, 
it just, it's, it was crazy. You know, the folks that were reaching out to me, supporting me. And so, um, I had, I had a lot of confidence though. I was, I was ready to go. Like I was, I kind of had like, you know, like, Hey, I'm about to come in here and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take some of your boys' money. I mean, that's the <laughs> attitude I had. I, I, I really did. I wasn't trying to be too confident, but you have to, you have to be confident and, and believe in yourself, uh, to be successful. So, um, I did have part of that in me and I, I knew I could compete. I just, at the same time, I didn't really know. So that first tournament I made a top 20 and it yeah. was like, Hey, I could, this is good. Like, this is the way you want to start a year. You don't, you always, a lot of times and for me in my past previous history, I kind of always like started slow and like didn't do well at the first of the year. And then I did really good at the end of the year, kind of when we got up around the small mouth and stuff like that. So um, it was great. I, it was the first tournament was awesome. Loved and that's it. what I was just yeah. looking at my phone. I, I thought you were top 20 and I wanted to confirm that I looked before, but you, you didn't slip yeah. my mind. So that had to be a huge confidence boost right off the bat. Yeah. Huge confidence booster. Um, I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I did want to ask one question cause we're, I think we're probably going to transition next in the Seminole, which yeah. is, um, we, we know what went down there, but, um, uh, that, that Okeechobee event, and I'm, I'm drawing back in my memory now. It was kind of weird because Tyler won that in the river. Um, how did that go down? Cause I don't think we asked Maddie this, uh, when he was on, but like, how'd that go down amongst kind of you all as anglers? Like that was kind of a very unique place to go do that. Right. Cause we know Okeechobee, like Okeechobee's has been the same almost for, for 20 years. You go down this almost the Southwest side and that's where 90% of the field is. Right. South of Indian Prairie right. Canal and all that. So, like, one, how did the field take that? And did that, do you think that kind of changed how maybe some people fished throughout the year with, with the new technology? Um, I mean, for me, like, it, uh, I thought it was cool. I mean, I mean yeah. And ne something that's never been yeah. done. I, I, as far as, as far as me fishing, you know, I didn't think anything about it. Like, wow, you know, I mean, everybody was ranting and raving over it, you know, that he did that in the canal and, and that was different than anybody's ever done. But, you know, we do have the Ford facing sonar now and which I say that it's been out for a while. Another guy yeah, could have done, years. maybe done the same yeah. thing and won one of those tournaments. He just was doing what he likes to do. Uh, uh, Tyler did. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think maybe, so I don't know if we get into that, this or not, but I think there's probably some guys there, some older guys that don't use it that maybe it threw them for a loop and they didn't do good the rest of the season just because like this. And then, then I went on Seminole with four faces mm -hmm. and everybody else was fishing shallow. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's I think it, I think it mentally, I think it affected a lot of guys and um, just because they didn't believe, they didn't trust in what they, they knew to do shallow yeah. and they decided that, Hey, maybe I should be trying to do this thing out here with the four face sonar thing. And they just didn't, didn't end up doing well throughout the year. And I think that's why, you know, as far as some of the guys on the lead series, I think that's why there there's some complaining going on. Yeah, I, I would um, agree with that. But it's, anyway, it's my opinion. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. We don't want to get into the whole live scope for facing stoner debate because uh, we all know our like, It's it's almost been here for ten years. If you go back to the original panoptics, like it's not that new. Um, yeah. And 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 number two is that it's you you guys are able to catch fish and, and awesome fish in places that no one knew they were out there. So like why. Why would you not want guys to go catch fish uh, regardless, right? So so that's an awesome story. Then obviously uh, Seminole was, uh, you know, uh, Ford Face Startup was a big play there. And 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 so how did that event go down with, with Seminole, your second one? We, we know that, and if I remember correctly, you were fishing, what, 20, 25 foot kind of in a big bowl out uh, out there in Seminole? And uh, it, yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, what? I remember other anglers saying, yeah, we, we, we kind of looked around the edges of that and there were some fish there, but we went shallow, but like you were out deep in the middle of what they were standing, what like standing timber, timber yeah. and stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you haven't been on Lake Seminole, uh, the Creek that I fished is spring Creek and it's, it's so notorious for tournaments getting one mm -hmm. out of it. I mean, there's been droves and droves of tournament getting tournaments getting one out of this place. And I, I made a top 10 out of really close to where I caught those fish on a Toyota series of it, I think the year before. 
uh, made a top 10 on Seminole. I decided to fish. I just love, always love that lake. And I only fished it one other time besides that. And I bombed it. I finished like a hundred or something or the nineties. Um, but when I was researching, I was, I was like actually excited about this tournament because I was thinking maybe there would be some more pre-spawning fish out there and I could do that. Cause I, I feel like I like to fish deep. Um, you know, not just with four faces sonar, but just, I, I, I feel like that's just what I like to do. I'm not a big shallow guy. I'll do it, uh, to get bites or go up there if it's, if that's, that's where it's happening at. But, um, I just, it lined up perfect for me. I did some research. There was one, uh, like a kind of a Japanese anger guy, maybe that won a tournament a long time ago out in the middle of spring Creek. It was w- much more colder winter time, uh, pattern, um, but it's just so much timber out there. It's, it's chalked full of timber. I mean, if you get a foot, six inches outside the boat lane, you're going to hit a tree mm-hmm. and they're big, massive trees. And there's an, there's a Creek channel that flows through there. Um, that is very good. What I was fishing is there was, so there was an area that was a predominant spawning area for a lot of those mm-hmm. bass where they go spawn up in some of the islands at the mouth of the Creek. And the creek channel swung in really close there to that spot. And then there was there was a kind of a flat. It wasn't a bowl. It was just a flat that that was stayed twenty-two to twenty-five foot. And it went all the way okay. across. And then it came it came up to f- about fifteen foot. It started getting to hydrilla. And the hydrilla was pretty much up to the surface, not to the very top. But but anyways, those fish were just out there suspended in the timber where they would in the winter normally mm-hmm. anyway. But they were I think they were just funneling in there to go spawn because it was time to spawn, you know, like, but we had a little bit of a cold front right for that tournament yep. and it just made sense to me. I went out there and practice one day in practice. I literally didn't catch very many fish, but the five bites I had was like 25, 26 pounds. And I said, well, this is what I'm doing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's, that's just what they were doing there. It ended up that there was more, I, I didn't honestly didn't think it was going to hold up for four days. Um, I thought it was warming up. The fish were probably really going to move in shallow. But then one day I had 20, 20 pounds of post-spawn fish every, or 21 pounds of post-spawn fish. Every single one of them was skinny and post-spawn. So I was like, well, there's more fish that had already done this. So I had just, I think I had one of those little highway spots where they were coming and going at the right time. And, um, it was, it was a blast. <laughs> yeah. It was a ton of fun to watch. And, and I, much like you watching Tyler do what he did and watch, just watching people win different ways. Um, I, I really loved the Okeechobee one, not to take anything away from you, but the announcers were so the whole time. Well, he, there's no way somebody's going to win offshore. It, it can't be done. People have tried it. It's never going to happen. And then for, for it to not be up shallow there. And then for you to back it up, uh, it was like, I, we talked about it right after you won. We were yeah. like, Joey just won a, a second event using new technology like this is great. It's here to stay. We know it's here to stay at least for next year. But Because I remember some of the coverage some of the other anglers were talking about the, you know they had checked out kind of that area but they were they were looking shallower maybe 12 to 15 foot i, I don't remember exactly yeah. but like no one really went out like as deep as you like you were fishing and it just kind of like flew everyone like what is going when, on when you were in there like when did it click that 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 you could win that tournament on that spot was it during practice or was it once you started catching those post spawners um so, you know, I had a, I had a great practice. Um, I think the first day of practice I went out there and I had, you know, giants and I, and I never went back to it. I just left. I went and fished all over the whole, that whole lake in different places, went up the river, both the Flint and the Chattahoochee and did a bunch of different stuff, shallow and just wasn't feeling it. You know, luckily I didn't get on anything else. I stuck with that thing. So I thought, okay, this could be good. But you don't really know, you know, like, I mean, how many times do you fish practice for a tournament and you catch them and you're like, man, this is good. And then, and then you do have a terrible tournament. You know what I mean? Like that happens. It seems like when you don't catch them in practice, you know, you have more better tournaments when you don't, because you're finding, you're like trying to constantly find these fish. So I didn't know. I, 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 I would say, you know, after day, after day two or three, um, you know, that somewhere right in there, those two days, I probably the last day of the tournament, like I thought I had a chance because I had such a big lead. I had a four pound lead. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I like, okay, I got a good chance to win this thing. Uh, which you got, I mean, the, the year before that guys, I had a seven pound lead on the St. Lawrence river and I blew it. 
I spun out mentally, left my area. So I had those things running through my head. I lost the Bass Open that previous year I qualified to Brandon Lester. I caught like 28 pounds on the, uh, Lake Toho, and I had a giant lead, and then I caught like 10 pounds the next two days and ended up losing. Um, so I had those things running through my head mentally, like, hey, is this going to be another one of the deals? Like, uh, and, and it ended up working out. So I don't know specifically, but yeah. because I – I didn't even, if you guys watched at the end of that day, like I didn't think I won. I yeah. thought I had a terrible day. I, I mean, I had, I had like 19 pounds or what? I don't even know what I had. I can't remember, but I just, cause I had lost a couple big ones and I lost a giant one right there at the end of the day. Yep. And something else to say is like, I was, I was fishing against Greg. I was in the bag line with Greg Hackney, Mike Iconelli, um, and numerous other dudes that I've watched on TV and like loved. And, and I just, it was, it was nuts, man. It was like my second tournament and I'm fishing against these hammers. So I right. thought Greg was going to win the thing or whatever, you know, I, it was, it was just, it was, it was unbelievable. Never forget it. Yeah. You're good. You can come in. Trey made it. Did your daughter win? Heck yeah, dude. That's awesome. Trey, Trey made it. So we'll, we'll let him get settled. And we were, we just got wrapping up Seminole. So, yeah, I just uh You're muted. There you go. What's up, man? Sorry I'm late. Uh no problem, no problem. Good to have you on. <laughs> yeah. Just had to wrap up that uh that rookie of the year championship for my daughter. So uh pretty exciting. <laughs> awesome. So good deal. So you win that one and I that's your first win at a pro level, correct? Yes. Yep. I, I can't even imagine like the, emo- the emotions that would run through, you know, but I, it's awesome that you had that confidence coming in. Cause you got to, you know, you were riding confidence and we talk about it all the time. People ask us about like, I want to get into tournament fishing. What are some things to expect? We're like, you got to ride the momentum. Like momentum's a very real thing in fishing. Uh, and, and you're fishing against yourself. Like every, t- every tournament I fish, I don't worry about what other people are doing. It's like, you have to beat yourself and, and I think that's a testament when you talk about losing the one a seven pound lead the year before. Like you built that scar tissue, and I know you said that stuff was in your mind, but consciously you made the decision to go back to what had been working. Where the year before you left your area because you didn't think it was going to work. So you you know you learned those lessons through through error, but you Absolutely. you have to have that. And I you're you're we say you're rookie on the elites, but you're not a rookie in the game, and you have you have a lot more of those learning experiences than probably a lot of other guys that make it. And I think that'll be some of the struggle we see with, with guys coming up that don't have that experience uh, that are qualifying super young is they haven't built that, that mental database of, Hey, I made this mental error before I'm not going to do it again because it cost me. Uh, so it's definitely interesting. And then you kind of, you kind of had a rough one. The next, I think the next one was Santee, right? No, it was, um, I think we went to Murray after that. That's, right. that's where I like I bombed. Yeah. Murray was rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, Murray was rough. Murray and Santee and then Santee. Yeah. We're back to back this last year. Yeah. 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 Murray. Yeah. And Murray was Murray was a place. And honestly, um, thinking about the schedule, like prior to the year, Murray was the only place on the schedule that I was not real confident in, just because I haven't done well there. I've never done well there i it's a herring thing every time i go i don't know anything i I haven't learned that or been on that lake enough to really study it and do well i'm not a big pre-practice guy where i go out and fish lakes you know prior to tournaments and do all that stuff um i've tried that before it just doesn't seem to work with me um so i just didn't have a lot of confidence that place and i think it showed obviously so is what it is but uh santee wasn't absolutely a bomb uh that was my first time there it was very tough i mean i was yeah. there fishing around guys that were catching good fish in bags and i just didn't care i caught a small fish every day um i knew what to do but it was that was a it was just a tough place it's a pretty vast too i mean that place is massive oh yeah i definitely need to go there and spend some more time on that that, place. that was a very <clears throat> weird santee tournament in general just the way the way everything went down um yeah. It is a massive lake. I didn't realize how big it was until I started looking at maps because I'm, I'm going to try to go down this spring. I mean, and... when you go over the I-95 bridge down there, it takes you like five minutes across that. Well, that's true. That yeah, that is that's... true. <laughs> so, yeah. so you had those two, and then you get to the north, which you said you, you were feeling pretty confident getting ready to go back into the north swing, chasing smallmouth. You you like to fish deep, which obviously is a, is a smallmouth yeah. game. 
where'd you get your smallmouth confidence from? Is that because you know baseball, you know Florida baseball, and getting into fishing in Arkansas? I know, I know, like the White River system's mm -hmm. got some smallmouth, but I think we've all talked about it here how the smallmouth and like the White River system, the Tennessee River system, they don't operate necessarily the same as like the Great Lakes smallmouth. So like, where'd you gain your confidence in the smallmouth and and walk us through like? What was it St. Clair, right? St. Clair. Yeah, St. Clair. You went up there, yep. Yeah. Um, so I've been asked this question so many times. And <laughs> I don't really have a great answer. I'm gonna tell you a few things though. I when I here in Arkansas, um, we have smallmouth and mm -hmm. stuff, and like when we had tournaments, me and my buddy were fishing local tournaments. We we just loved going to catch smallmouth. They fight better, they're fun, they bite, I mean, really yep. good. Um I just love them. I don't, I don't, I just don't know why I just love the fish. They're, they're just a mean bad to the bone fish that, that I just, I just love them. So anyways, but through that time before I went on the professional side, I would make some trips to Minnesota and do some smallmouth fishing in the summer. And so I got to catch a little bit bigger fish and, and I, I, I love that fell in love with it. I was pumped every year to go up North and, and catch those smallmouth. And I, I learned a few things there, but I, I really owe a lot of my smallmouth credit to Larry Nixon because he's done well. He's won three tournaments on St. Clair. Um, he's seen that lake when it when it's been terrible and when it's been awesome. And um, I've learned a lot of different techniques from him that otherwise, you know, I probably would have been figuring out myself. So I, I got a learning curve from him. I owe a lot of my smallmouth credit to him because he's he's taught me a lot of things. Um, and, and so I feel like that's why I've done well there so quickly is just because I've, I've had that little learning curve on that. But, but for the, the other part of that is when you go up North, these places are, especially St. Clair, these places are so vast. Okay. And, and St. Clair is a bowl. It's 20 foot deep in the middle yep. and they can be anywhere. And I mean, you can troll for an hour and not be in them and not catch a bass. So, um, I love hunting. All right. So like when you go up there, you are, you're hunting these fish down. Like you, you, you might look for little minor contours on, you know, just like the, the deer would travel in the woods or different places, like little, like it's kind of, I relate it to deer hunting some, but like you have to hunt them down. You got to find them. You got to fish from daylight till dark up there. Um, and, and you just got to cover tons of ground. I love, I love doing that. And I, I, I don't know. I, I've just been successful on that lake. I've uh, just, but otherwise than that, I can't give you an answer guys. Um, I, I, <laughs> I do. The other thing is I do like, I like finesse fishing. Um, it's kind of weird, but that's, I really do like finishing. I grew up in Florida with a spinning rod in my hand. So like when I go North, I don't use anything with spinning rods and I feel confident also um, I think that's something else why I do well there. Um, I just, I'm, I, it's not that I don't like bait casters. I use them all the time, but I would rather have a spinning rod in my hand. So I don't know. I like finesse fishing. I think a lot of times anglers are asked the, like a pinpointed question, like, why do you think it is this way? And you're like, man, I've never really thought about it before. Nowhere am I capturing the data <laughs> to prove this is a, you know, reality versus a theory or whatever. But, uh, it was really cool to see you up on St. Clair and, and I haven't been there since I was a child. Um, but you're right though, like targeting fish off, like, you know, uh, map data and, and stuff like that. It's the way you target. Well, that's the way you target bad guys too, you know, like, let's be honest. So, uh, you know, targeting those yeah. smallmouth is, it, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Does it make it fish small though sometimes? Yeah. I mean, it, it can, it can. Um, this year was really weird though. Um, I'd never seen it like that, just the way the fish were and they were, they seemed to be really scattered out and, um, the water was pretty warm. It was almost like a fall, more like a fallish kind of tournament up there just from what the experiences I've had. So, uh, but yeah, it could, it could make it tighter. I mean, you'd be fishing around most of the time you go there, you're, you're grouped up with other people fishing around other folks. But for me and most tournaments that I fish, I always try and find something else away from people. I do. I don't like fishing in crowds. It's just. Uh, it's just something I don't like to do. I always try and go find something else. And sometimes it burns me, but um, that's what I like to do. Yeah, you do. You see St. Clair get like that. And and it was a weird one. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time on St. Clair 
growing up. That was uh, we would go up there for a week every year, and it was weird to see the Canadian side not really play a whole lot into it, and it was just a weird tournament overall. Um, so win number two. I mean, was it just as satisfying as the first one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. I just couldn't believe it, guys. I mean, I <laughs> it, it it gets me a little emotional thinking about it now. It's just unreal i mean uh i knew in practice like you know i knew i had something decent like out there and i didn't have anybody i was hoping there was going to be nobody around me but through the tournament um i was i was by myself yeah and sometimes that's not good on st Clair. like you you don't know you don't always want to be by yourself there because then but but it's i knew that all those fish were there at the takeoff everybody was fishing in um anchor bay yeah and when it comes to the week and I, this is something I learned there when it comes to the weekend, like the boat traffic on that place is horrendous oh, giant yeah. boats. You, there's no way you could effectively use your forward facing sonar. I knew that's what I needed to get the job done out there. And so that's why I really picked that area and went for it. It wasn't getting a lot of bites either. They just were the right quality. Um, but, uh, I was, I was just in the right place and, um, it was, it was crazy, man. I, I, getting that first win was a huge weight off my shoulders in this season, you know, the starting out on the elite series, but getting two was, was crazy. I, I, um, I just never, I'll, I, I thought about it though. I was like, you know, after I, I got that tournament went on Seminole early in the season, I'm thinking, man, I've still got a chance to maybe win another one. I mean, I had, you know, my family and my dad, he was like, Joe, you're going to win the tournament this year. Like when you get up there North, I know you're going to do it. And, and I did. And, uh, it's awesome. I mean, that's just like, that was the moment where I was just like, Hey, I can, I'm, I'm good enough to be good. Like I can, I can do this now. I'm not going to have years like that every year. You know, probably not, but uh, I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. What, at so, what, what point in that was it after the first win or was, I mean, obviously it was probably a goal from the beginning, but did you really realize like rookie of the year was obtainable and, and did that become a goal at some point? Yeah. Um, well, just to touch on goal things real quick. Um, and I say this in all the podcasts and everything I do and people I talk to and just motivational speaking to people in general to, to be successful and to, to achieve things, you have to write down your goals. So in my shop, I wrote down my goals, win rookie of the year, win a tournament, make a top 10, make the Bassmaster classic, check, 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 you know, checked all that stuff off. But, um, when I won that tournament, I was, my my brain, I was zoned in on this rookie of the year thing. I'm like, okay, because I'm leading now, making, and it was it was close. You know, I was in whatever place I was in, but I was like, hey, I can actually do this. And I'm about to go to Champlain. I love it, and I'm about to go to St. Lawrence River, and I love it. I knew I had a chance to get this thing done. I felt like I could do very well at both those places, and um, so yeah, it was on my it was on my mind for sure. Did did it, it was a lot of pressure too. <laughs> sure yeah did, did it go from i want to win another turn like did you change your mentality going into it knowing that you had a shot at rookie of the year did it change the way you fish a tournament or did you keep it exactly the same for the last couple of events no i kept it the same i actually went to champlain trying to win the tournament i 100 percent. that was my goal i wasn't going to go there trying to try and make a safe play i don't think that's a good move anytime I think you go and you try and do what your normal your normal mindset is to win, um, and that's what I did at Champlain. Um, I would say at St. Lawrence River was a little bit different because the wind was bad, um, and we had we our practice got only cut down to two days, and I did not get to go everywhere I wanted to go, especially where those guys ended up winning the tournament. Um, I did never never got to go up into Canada on that on the lakeside yeah. and do that. So. Um, but no, I was, I was playing on winning, man. I mean, ch- going in the Champlain, I, I kept the same mindset and shoot guys, it, that was the tightest, roughest, stressfulest thing I, <laughs> to end the season I've, I've ever experienced. I mean, it was, it was wild. I like to hear that. Cause you hear far too many folks, guys, gals, whoever's doing it, that when they start getting in those points races that they start points fishing and yeah, Trey, I, I do the same thing. Like if I, if I have a goal that becomes a focus and you get away from, just doing what you do and, and you know how to do and trying to win. And uh, to to be able to keep that killer mentality, if you will, like I this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get my prize. 
um, I think is the difference. And when you look, you look historically when people start to point switch, it's kind of like the prevent defense in football. Like yeah. <laughs> all prevent defense does prevent you from winning most of the time. Um, and it's kind of, I feel like it's the same in fishing. You go out there and you start fishing safe and it ends up costing you. And, uh, you could tell, you could tell that you didn't do that. And that was a weird one on the St. Lawrence, I think for everybody, uh, just because of the way the weather set up and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a little different. Um, you know, the St. Lawrence is, is changed so much since I first fished it, you know, four or five years ago or three years ago. Um, and so it, it, but I had the confidence in the river fish and I, I actually felt like I did pretty well for fishing in the river. Cause most, most of the time you catch 20 pound bag out of the river, it's pretty good. Like mm-hmm. 20, 22 pounds. And I, you know, I had, a, I had a really good tournament there. I stuck with it. I tried to go out to the lake one time and, um, I just kind of fished what I had confidence in and, uh, was hoping five by today I was fishing on some really big fish in the river. There's, there's big ones in there to win 100% without a doubt, but they're so hard to catch because <laughs> they just get, they just get more pressure. I mean, they're, they're getting caught all the time, you know, every summer and they're getting old and, and they're wise. And, um, so, but I felt like with some tactics, I have learned over the years I can maybe snatch, you know, if I can get me five big bites a day, I can, I can make a top 20, maybe a top 10 and uh, made a top 20 anyway. So that was pretty good. Yeah. So you said St. Lawrence has changed over the last five years. Do you attribute that to more pressure because of what we've seen with like the elites and BPT and, and these other tournaments going up there? Are there more guys making that a destination than used to, or why do you think that is? And do you think it's gotten better or worse, right? Because we've seen all the massive bags that have come out of there the last two years. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's hurting the fish. I don't, I mean, I I guess maybe some guys would argue the numbers are down there, but I don't know, guys. I use a camera at that place and there are, there are droves and droves of fish there. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't realize how many bass are there. And a lot of them, you think you can see them on your forward facing sonar, but they are tight to the bottom and you can't see them unless you have a camera. So yeah. um, I think the I don't think it's hurt the fish. I honestly just think it's 100% pressure. You know, we have, we have these tournaments and, you know, both organizations are going there every year and, and people are like, man, I want to go. And I don't blame them. I, if I wasn't where I was or whatever, I, I would, I would be making my trip up there to go catch smallmouth too. And you got to think, I mean, everybody in the country and, and the Canadians and probably people from outside the country trying to come in and go fish St. Lawrence River too. So like, it's just getting a lot of pressure. Um, and, and they're tough to bite. I mean, it's, 100 percent back in the day you pull up to a rock it had five or ten fish on it and you could catch almost every one and now it's you catch one you're lucky if you can get two you have to come back in an hour and hope that you can pluck another one um it's just the way it is so yeah i i hear that a lot um in in different shows and stuff it's not that the the population of fish isn't there it's just they're far more educated in fishing competitive fishing well recreational fishing too it's just getting harder you know, like these fish are wise, they're fat, they probably got a bunch of soft plastics in their belly, you know, like they're getting pinged all the time. Like it's a culmination of the above. Uh, but you guys are still like impressively pulling out giant bags of smallies from the northern fisheries. Yeah, I, I feel like the yeah, tw- 20, I was gonna say 20, you know, Bryant Smith. 29 something pounds the largest in bassmaster history weighed in on the scale that's right um they're there there's there's if you want to go catch a seven pound smallmouth that's the place to go and what was it last year right there was the first century bag that was all smallmouth at st lawrence Mm -hmm. what was it this year three i don't know three or four joey would know there was was, i'm pretty sure i think it's three but it could have been four i'm not 100 percent. Like, either three or four either it way was that's three pretty impressive. because we talked how the top five could have potentially all had them if it weren't for um yeah, yeah boat yeah. issues and things like that that yeah. cost them from getting to their areas so it, it's crazy to think uh you know 300 pound of smallmouth come across the scale 300 plus pounds from the top three guys yeah uh, you would never think that and, and people will blame you know 
certain things, but we're we like we said, we're not going to get into that. Um, but I show me show me some proof. That's show what I that's right. what I say too, man. That's what I say too. I can show you the proof that it's not doing it. Just come on my boat. I can show you exactly how it doesn't catch fish. <laughs> um, I think this is this is something I want to say real quick. Yeah, absolutely. You're gonna see the reason why I feel like I've done well this year. You see the kid, the guy that almost won rookie of the year, Kyoya Fujita. He's a mm-hmm. finesse guy. Mm-hmm. Our lakes are, yes, we're catching more fish. That's what 100% without a doubt. We're catching more fish in the lake. More of the fish that didn't used to get catch, caught are now getting caught. Finesse guys are going to start dominating. I, that's just my feel on it. I think the guys that are finesse fishermen are going to catch more fish. It's like Japan those guys over there are so well at it because they have to, because their lakes are so high pressured. And, and I think just with time, you're going to keep seeing that. And it's just the way it's going. In my opinion. I think we called that earlier in the year. We talked about two things. One baits getting a lot bigger and baits getting a lot smaller. Well, we did you know? talk about it because my call was about five years from now, because everyone's either going to go super big baits or super small finesse. In about four years, it's just going to be your standard four-inch baits that's going to be winning everything because the fish haven't, haven't seen it for four years. So, that's what's going to so happen. So when Mama asks, why do you yeah. have so much stuff in the tackle box? You're like, well, because the way that bass go, it's ebb and flow. So every five years, it's going to be something different. So you're just preparing for the future. So, But but I, I, I tend to agree with you because I feel like I've caught a lot more fish this year, bigger fish. Uh, on drop shots, on Ned rigs, on things that I just don't traditionally throw, you know, versus a few years ago where it was like, yeah, I can throw a big jig out there. I can throw a big Carolina rig, whatever the case may be. Uh, but they seem to not be as active at eating that bait. And it, I don't know how to attribute it to anything. I'm just going to, with what the fish tell me to bite or that the fish are telling me they want, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. But um, I think you're going to see too, like you guys were saying, I mean, there's going to be a swing in the finesse and then the power fishing and the big worms and Carolina rigs. I mean, that stuff still works and it'll, mm-hmm. maybe the fish won't see that as much and we'll be going back to, to doing some of that stuff. I don't know. I mean, I still do that, but, um, I would, I like the finesse approach myself. So I don't want to throw uh Pete's <clears throat> uh, lines of questions off, but, um, no, you're good. So you move on the last event, right? Which was, are we on the we last event? about it, St. Lawrence. St. Lawrence was the last event. Mm-hmm. Man, what did that feel like, dude? Like just from an emotional, like, like emotionally and, and all that stuff, even physically, like what did that feel like when, when you were on the stage and, and you had all your supporters there? And I know the North gets really big crowds too, just like Orange, Texas does. My favorite place is Sabine River. But uh, <laughs> uh, like, what did that feel like for you, man, to, to, look at all those boxes you checked all those boxes and and you know talk us through that emotion um you know i mean obviously just felt like huge weight off the shoulders first off i mean when you're trying to when you're trying to accomplish these things and get them done and you're in the moment and your your weight you know you, you finally do it just it's crazy i mean i had three big ones this year like um it was, it was just awesome. But, you know, I mean, the, that's the thing that I love about it this year is, is, um, just the, the fans and the people that's reached out to me. And, um, that's kind of, you know, more influence on, on kids and uh, positive influence and, and, and them looking up to you and try and try and help people catch more fish. Like, to me, like, oh, I know, I know you're talking about specifically like winning rookie of the year. Like it, it was great. It was, it was awesome. I mean, being there with my family and the whole thing, but I kind of look at this as more of a big picture. It's kind of the way I think about it. Like I've, I can, I can change, you know, maybe people's lives or help them catch more fish and um, be a good role model for kids. I mean, that's kind of my goal in this whole thing is it to do. And, and uh, so it, it's great. You know, it's, it's like that feeling like, Hey, I've, I've actually made this thing like I can I can legitimately say now going into next year that I can do this. I feel justified. I could do this for a living like 100 percent before it was I didn't know, you know, just because it was so expensive. So um, it, it's all great, man. I mean, the family, yeah, everybody, the, the, the local town, like they put my picture up on, on a billboard. I saw that on your social <laughs> town, media. Yeah. Yeah, it's been the talk. Um, <laughs> I live in a little town. There's about about three thousand people here, and um, but no, it's it's all good. It's all good. I mean, 
I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a, it, but at the same time, like I'm one of those guys that I, I don't want I, I don't want to relish in this too much. I want to get my mind right and keep going, you know, got next year, got the Bassmaster classic, um, focus on these, you know, I want to win another tournament next year or a couple, or, you know, I'll have those goals written back down and win the Bassmaster classic. So I've got a lot, I've got a long ways to go. Um, I know I've done well and all that, but, but I've, I've set, I always set the the bar pretty high for myself. I've, I don't, I don't ever want to be complacent, if you know what I mean. No, I, I'm glad you said that, man, and, and I'll, I'll turn it over to Ben and Pete here in a second, but I'm glad you said what you said about like making a difference and in influencing, right? A lot of people ride the coattails of what you did, but it's who you are that actually is the legacy that you're leaving behind, and I think that's important for we, right. you know, we always, and we'll say it at the end here, but we do have our, our motto as a, as a group, and um, if we can help other people, uh, that's what we're designed to do. So that's the legacy you're going to leave behind. And, yeah. and if you are setting goals and you're setting the bar high for yourself, then you're challenging yourself. And so I think that goes back to like, are you chasing points or are you chasing a victory? Which one do you want? You know, of course, everybody wants a victory, but if you're setting that bar low, then that might be the only performance that you have. Right. So, but anyways, yeah. you know, um, and I, I know we've got to wrap it up here shortly because you're you're on a, on a tight time schedule here and in the off season you get a lot of commitments. Um, yeah, I actually had two questions I wanted to end with. The first one was, "What were your goals for next year?" But you already kind of mentioned that already, <laughs> right? Which is awesome, right? Uh, so we can follow along. We'll be rooting on you for you know at the Bassmaster Classic. But the, this the second one I had is, what do you think of the new schedule for next year? Because it is unique in the sense that it's different places or different times of the year for some of the lakes that we haven't seen for four or five years minimum um, on the Bassmaster. So how do you think that's going to play into, I would imagine it's probably going to play into your strengths, but uh, like what's your initial feel for it? I loved it. Um, I absolutely love the schedule. I think it's, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be a a hair bit different. Um, Typically we start in Florida, you know, but we're starting in Texas this year. I, Lake Fork is probably one of the, this is where I caught my biggest fish. I fished there a decent amount um, when I was growing up here in Arkansas. So really excited about that place. Uh, but to lead a band, you know, I mean, the whole schedule is great. We're finishing up in, in up North. Um, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's going to line up perfect for me on a lot of different places. And uh, some, I have been to Wheeler um, only one time though, I think, and uh, I was fishing as a co-angler. So there's a, there's a couple places that are going to be challenging for me to, to pick up on a few things maybe, but, uh, um, but I look forward to it, man. It's going to be great. Uh, but listen, goal number one is to win the Bassmaster classic goal. Number two is to win another elite series event. Well, <laughs> uh, angler of the year is my next one of my other goals too. So all of these are goals, but win classic angler of the year, like that's, if I could do that, um, that's, I mean, I always got those. I had those on my goal this year is to, you know, win of the year, but, uh, but anyways, man, I I'm, I'm looking forward to next year. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be fun. My goals suck, dude. Mine is to like, make sure my tire doesn't blow out on the way to the lake. So uh, <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Your, yep. your family, uh, yep. your fans and, and definitely yourself should be proud of those accomplishments. And, uh, it's possible, dude. Like I, I heard Paul next say it a long time ago. He's like, I want to win every tournament. Like, that's my goal. I want to win every single yeah. tournament. Like, absolutely. Go in with that hungry mindset. Yeah. You have to. I mean, you, you really do. You have to think like that. Um, I And I, honestly, prior, previous years in my career, I was that guy that was, I was kind of stressed, like, man, I got to make a check in this thing. Um, you know, money-wise, was, was money was tight, but like, I got to make a check. I got to make a check in this thing to survive. And a lot of those guys, those new guys that are coming in, they're going to have that same experience. They may not have all the sponsorship money and things. And they're, you know, maybe barely getting by going like literally fishing from check to check on each of the tournaments. And, um, I was that way and I didn't, I didn't really do that well. Um, and this year I, I had that, you know, killer mindset and, and I wanted to win them all. And, and, uh, <laughs> had a pretty good year. So I'm going I'm to keep that going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we really appreciate you coming on, Joey. Uh, we have a mutual friend in Nick Kincaid. So you got any embarrassing stories for us or him that we can <laughs> put out there in the world? He something goofy he did when you drew him as a co-angler, or, you know. <laughs> um, 
Not that I can remember. He probably he he probably did pretty well. I don't know. Hopefully, he didn't cast over my line or anything. But, nah, I don't think. I don't think. <laughs> but no, I, no. I think I think he did great. Um, that's man. I fished with a lot of guys. I don't remember a whole lot. I yeah. was so I, I get so focused on like oh, trying yeah. to do my thing. Like, yeah. I I don't even remember. But um. But no, he's probably good in the boat. Most <laughs> most of the guys I fish with are, are, are most of, most of the co-angers I fished in the opens and stuff. Like I fished some opens this year. Um, they did they did great. You know, most guys are really respectful and and um, you know I, I appreciate that. That's good. I guess if you had something really funny, then Nick would have really made an impact uh, on the boat. Anyways, so. that's right. That's I think good, you probably good. remember those ones that yeah. uh, <laughs> that you don't ever want to see <laughs> yeah. again more than you do the ones that uh, that don't. But um, no, man, we yep. just, we I've appreciate stories. I, I can imagine. Um, we've, we've <laughs> yeah. heard some from other folks and from both sides, co-anglers and boaters, uh, of, uh, some, some rather interesting experiences out there on the water is, is a nice way to put it. But, um, we really yep. appreciate you coming on, man. I know, I know you've got a pretty tight schedule. Like Ben said, I just want to give you a minute to, uh, Shout out all of your sponsors because you can't do without them. Make sure everybody hears, you know, who supports you so they can go support them. Uh, and also your socials, which I will also link down below in the description for anybody that's watching or listening. Yeah, so um, I pretty much got all my stuff lined up for next year, and I'm going to be back in a Phoenix boat. Love those things. I've been running them for about three years. Uh, going to be running a Mercury again. Pretty excited about that. Um, I've got a uh, – a big title sponsor that's in the industry that's I've been with for a couple of years. It's Miller tech lithium batteries. Uh, they're, they're made in Ohio Amish folks. You know, they make a great product. Right. Those guys are really cool. Um, they're, they're back they're behind me a hundred percent. Um, absolutely love them guys. But, uh, yeah, you know, a bunch, several people that the cool thing is the local folks that support me here in Arkansas. Um, that's really what it's all about. I mean, I, I have people that I don't mention, they don't want to be mentioned that give me money um, it, it recently just because they, they support everything I do and they want to be a part of it, um, which is really cool. cool. Uh, and, and it's nothing, you know, it's not, not big checks or anything like that. It's just a little bit here. I want to help out with some gas money and stuff like that. So, but uh, horizon track and Marine in Clarksville, Arkansas, they, they support a lot of the local fishing here in Arkansas and, and they're great for getting your boat, you know, buying a new Phoenix boat or several other brands and, uh, fish and tackle and maintenance and all that stuff. And then um, I had an inter- insurance company get on board this past year, Globe Life Insurance. They actually insure the Dallas Cowboys, and the Globe Life field is where the Texas Rangers play. Okay. So they're a big company. I've been trying yeah. to get a title sponsorship out of them, but if anybody knows Globe Life boys, just don't <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> um, but, no, I actually know some of the high-end folks there, but I just haven't been able to get nothing done. But, um, man – Bassmaster, the fans, like this has been an unbelievable season. The the people that's reached out to me, um, just talking fishing. I love it. I love it. I love every second of it. Um, I I hope I can get in the boat with as many folks from now on and show them how to catch some more bass. I'm doing a lot of stuff with kids, uh, taking them fishing, and um, hopefully do some classes maybe and and that kind of thing and. Um, I really appreciate you guys having me on all the, all the stuff I've done this year. It's, it's, it's not only, I mean, it's helped me a bunch. It's getting my name out there and, and this is what you, you hope for, you know, when you're successful. And, and so it, I owe a lot of credit to you guys, uh, for, for sharing and doing this with me. And, um, it, it means a lot to me. So I appreciate it. We want to get you back on at some point to talk that finesse stuff, man. Cause I think a lot of people down yeah. here struggle with it. Um, and it's for selfish reasons too. So it'll be mutually beneficial. Well, yeah, let's do it. Um, it, you know, from now till February, maybe, or this, yeah. this, yeah. this winter or something like that. Like yeah. if you guys want to get me back on, just shoot me a text. I'll, I'll be, I'd love to do it. Awesome, um, sweet. Absolutely. Wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. We'll so. definitely get something, something on the books to get you back on. Uh, what are your socials as far as where people can follow you? Yeah, so I understand my last name is a little bit <laughs> tough to pronounce and say, but um, Joey C. Fuentes Fishing, everywhere you go, at Joey Fuentes Fishing, Facebook, uh, I think maybe Joey C. Fishing on Twitter. I don't do much on Twitter, but I'm starting to I'm – next year I'm going to have a guy filming, doing the whole thing in the boat, kind of awesome. – so I'll, I'll be able to get some more stuff on YouTube. I'm going to do like a YouTube channel 
um, and get some more content out there for folks that want to learn more about the finesse stuff and the forward facing sonar things. Um, and just, you know, to help people catch more fish. So, uh, that's all Joey Sequenza's fishing, got a website, same thing. Um, you can follow me. I, I don't only do bass fishing. I, I live on a, I live on a farm and, um, I play around with cows and, and do some crazy stuff like that every once in a while. And, uh, it gets a little interesting and hopefully capture some of that stuff on video. We just, I just made a really sweet video with Grundens, another one of my sponsors. They came down, we spent three days, um, we roped some calves, uh, banded some calves. We, uh, did some work on some of my steers, just did some ranch stuff. We did some fishing too. Um, kind of got a little more in depth on me and, you know, kind of what it is like living on the farm where I live on, on the ranch I live on with all my family. Uh, it's going to be a really cool video. I don't know when it's going to come out. It's probably sometime next year, but That's Grundin's awesome. is going to have a sweet video. So you guys are going to want to watch that, but but uh, yeah, Joey Suentes fishing everywhere you go. Last question I have with the with with the cows: Are you calm when you yeah. handle them? Because every farmer I've known, every time I've watched people handle cows, they could be the nicest person, but there's f bombs dropping every five <laughs> seconds when you try to get a cow to do something that they don't want to do. Well, it's funny you ask that because I had this film crew here, and. Um, we were loading, I loaded up a bunch of my calves to take to the cell barn to sell. And we were trying to get them in and they were trying to film and get in these little shots. And I, I, I felt kind of bad cause I was yelling at them. I was like, guys, you gotta get out of the way. You can't move. Um, I was getting a little, probably not the way I should, but it's so it's, it's intense. Like yeah. a lot of times, I mean, you can, my cows are pretty docile, like they're good, but e- even then you piss one off, like they they can run you over mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. So um, it's not really not a time to play around. So yeah, I got I kind of got onto those guys a little bit. Um, I'll, if you guys are watching, I'm sorry uh, but, or listening. Um, that, that's just but, part uh, of no. Uh, it's I I enjoy it, man. Like yeah. we went out and and roped some uh, roped a steer and a and a, and a heifer, uh, just brand new calves. We're calving right now on the farm, and so we we uh, put a band on a steer and and uh, uh, put a little ear tag on one of the heifers and. I love it. I I enjoy it. I've run I'm running across, jumped out side by side, run out there roping them calves. It's it's fun for me. I don't I don't get too crazy about it. I like to have fun. So you need to <clears> th- <throat> this year for twenty twenty four, you need to do a cow pipe cow pie prank on on one of the guys that you're that you're working with, fishing with. And stuff. <laughs> like, I promise, like you know, it'll be great. They did. Uh, I saw some videos they were doing with the box and the elite series guys were going in and touching like they didn't know. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. So I'm just going to put a big old fresh pile of manure. <laughs> that would right be, there. that um, would be wonderful. Good cow patty. And they're going to be like, Oh, what's that? <laughs> so, Smell your finger. I'm not talking to Ronnie Morris. If they'll let me do that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. That'd be hilarious. Oh, that's funny. Well, awesome, man. Well, thank you uh, so much for for jumping on. I'm sorry I was late again. Champion, right here, no volleyball problem. dad, champion. Um, and, <laughs> awesome. it, and it was great. It was great to meet you. And uh, can't look. Uh, we we look forward to having you on here in the future, near yep. future. And if you can just yeah. hang out for one Pretty second after we end the recording, Joey, uh, and then we'll okay. let you get on about your night. But we appreciate everybody listening, watching. Make sure you check out all Joey's stuff. Link below. Uh, check out those sponsors he mentioned and to help us continue to grow a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day.